0: we're looking today at community, which we consider to be God's design for growth. So let's pray. Father, your word has given us many helpful things. It's given us many ideas about how we grow as people, how we become more like you. And so we pray that you open our eyes to see something new today and to just to see the place that community has in our personal growth amen and here's this verse from Ephesians 4 verse 13 about that until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ the whole measure of the fullness of Christ hmm. I'll put that in your uh, thoughts hold on to that that's kind of come back later on community what was community like in times gone past? There's a story is told of a back in the day as a farm boy accidentally overturns the wagon load of hay on the road. There it is, it's all gone over and the neighbour sees it, races across to give a hand, as hey Willis, forget your troubles for a while. Come and have dinner with us. Then we can come back and I'll help you overturn the wagon. Oh, gee, that's nice, says Willis i don't think dad would want me to <laughs> oh come on son The never said oh, well okay the boy says oh, i'm not sure dad would want me to but anyway so he came over he had a hearty dinner and uh, willis thanked the host and he said i feel better now but i think dad's going to be really upset no don't be silly he said anyway where is your dad oh dad's under the wagon <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in times past, you know, neighbours used to know each other more than they do today, apart from Muck and um, Neighbours used to spend more time helping each other than they do today and they used to get together and share a meal or entertain each other more than they do th- today. Well, are you sure about that? Were the good old days that good? I was having a chat with, with Jeff the other day and we were talking about topical things like trying to avoid getting bogged during seeding and he was lamenting the change of times you know so these days the tractors are bigger they're harder to get out of the bog and the neighbours are more conscious of wasting time if they have to go and pull a neighbour out and it seems a bigger deal these days to go and help your neighbour get his tractor out people are less likely to ask for or have time for one another I wonder what you think about that What's it like in the city? A survey. There must be a a million of these done, but surveys on bigger churches, and uh, they surveyed some of those churches, and they asked the members, they said, well, how many of these guys around you do you actually personally know? And most of them actually knew a very small percentage of the people in them. So they were gathering together for worship on Sunday with largely an anonymous group of worshippers. An interesting thought, isn't it? But what's more disturbing was that that many of those who are questioned expressed very little interest in becoming more involved in some of those other people's lives. They thought that relationships had little to do with the Christian life. But they couldn't have been more wrong, could they? Because relationships that you have with one another today are absolutely indispensable. And the Bible says much to remind us that our Christianity was never meant to be lived alone. Take this section from 1 John three verse John, 1 John one, verse three to seven. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. You know, that's community having fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And we write about this to make our joy complete. This is the message we heard from him and we declare this message to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness. And if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, we'd like to think that we do, don't we? We'd like to think we walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship with one another. That's a characteristic of walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Sit together and share life. There's a story about a pastor who's travelling with a Brazilian seminary student. And along the way the pastor asked the student, he said, Well, would you like to stop in for a coffee? And the student said, Yeah, I'd be honoured. So a pastor swings into a s- Starbucks and goes through the drive through They get their coffee. On the way, the student goes quiet. And the pastor asks him, why are you so quiet? And he said, oh, I thought you were asking me to be your friend when you offered to have a coffee. I thought we were going to sit together and share life. Community, eh? Hey? Is a, there's a cartoon uh, series called Zits, which is to do, I guess, with teenagers. And in this, this cartoon, which I've never seen, but apparently, there's Connie, the mum, she's worked hard, she's got delicious meatloaf dinner. We love meatloaf for Walt and Jeremy. Dinner's ready, Connie asks Walt, the husband, to call us call the teenager Jeremy for dinner. So, where do we find the teenager? Sprawled out on the couch, TV's on, he's got his earbuds in with his uh, iPod, his homework's on a pile next to the couch and he seems to be reading a book. Standard teenage way of operating. (laughs) And there's a can of soda and there's a leftover of some pizza on the end table and Bolt calls out, Hey Jeremy, dinner's ready. And, of course, the teenager who is abnormal, normal, no response. <laughs> so, again, he says, Jeremy, te- dinner's ready. Your mum's prepared meatloaf. Come on, let's eat. And Jeremy doesn't budge, and he says, oh, I'm not going to eat. I don't really like mum's meatloaf. So dad does what all dads do, walks over the sofa, takes the remote, <laughs> turns off the TV, takes the earbuds out of his ears, takes the book out of his hands and says, gets his attention, Jeremy, dinner is not about the meatloaf, it's about family. Oh. <laughs> community, right? Eh? God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life alone. So we're talking obviously about Christian community and... I'm going to point us to Acts chapter 1, an amazing community which occurs at the start of the modern-day church. And don't get too anxious because visions might come. Oh, I know that bit. Is he going to ask us to join a commune, share our bank accounts? Relax, relax. I'm just going to point out that when the church was born, the moment when a new way of relating to God, the New Testament was brought in, There was a wonderful communal character. It overflowed out of that. didn't last for very long, but it showed clearly that God never intended for us to live the Christian life alone, and that drawing near to God should draw us near to one another. Here it is in Acts chapter 1. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And here's the community. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved so there's community sharing a common life in Christ and that's more than just mostly self-interested and isolated private life being lived with just a few tacked on church events here and there at the start of the modern church there was real substance to sharing together their life as believers and they moved together into a rich and challenging life and life which we look back in this this golden snapshot here and we say how wonderful it was but of course for us there's a problem in developing quality community and a famous military man said one time he said sir we have seen the enemy and it is us because we're all sinners saved by grace but we are all sinners and so when we become a believer we realize that that's just the beginning we realize we've just started on a lifelong journey of what you could call a continuing conversion you know just like you buy a car which is a fixer upper now uh, we realise we're fixer-uppers and we move into a lifelong process of converting old sinful habits into holiness and righteousness and growing more like Jesus and exercising our gifts and our talents and following our unique calling and growing into Christian community. And we must face the fact that maturity takes time. But we also may need to be reminded that the journey to maturity requires the involvement of our sisters and brothers in Christ. We all need each other on the journey. So think about this. Think about the each others which are in the Bible. The each others. Love each other or love one another. Forgive each other. Regard each other more highly than yourselves. And that's something for you to be thinking as the people around about you this morning. Teach and correct each other encourage each other bear one another's burdens be friends with one another be kind to each other be compassionate to each other be generous in hospitality to each other serve one another and submit to each other out of reverence for christ there's a lot of each other's in the bible isn't there and in christian community That's the workshop of our continuing conversion, the place where our Christian character is formed as we learn from one another and we support one another in our faith journeys, as we press on towards the goal of our continuing conversion that we should attain, as we saw in our opening verse, that we should attain the goal of the fullness of Christ. Let's put that in a bit more context. In Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 this is about community Christ himself gave the apostles he gave the prophets he gave the evangelists the pastors and the teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up now it's building community until we reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Well, this is so that we all together can have more of Christ. And then we will be, what's the result of that? No longer infants. No longer tossed back and forward by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by our cunning and craftis- craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. And instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him. And here's our our unity, our community. The whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and it grows and builds itself up in love as each of us does our part. And so that's our focus. The goal of our continuing... Conversion is, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a promise that comes through community, fullness of Christ. So, it's community is a process. It has a number of things in it. Firstly, it is a source of accountability and guidance in it. And, you know, we know the world is moving further and further away from accountability and guidance. I was reading recently a blurb about a music educator passionate about enabling students to explore and express their inner voice. For me, it seemed as though he was admitting that, well, kids won't listen any longer, so just let them tell you what they're thinking. Or he was assuming that people who are, you know, students... We're just getting started on understanding reality. Obviously, they know far more than us, so we should just listen to them. Or maybe you're saying that we, we don't have any more highly developed skills and information to teach them anyway. But we in the church, we're a bit more humble. We know that from Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And we take responsibility for our weaknesses and we teach each other and we hold out each other accountable and when we hear what God teaches other people that teaches us and when I submit to the guidance and the scrutiny of my brothers and sisters it makes me grow and become accountable to the commitments that I make there's a book called The Measure of a Man. I read some time back by a guy called Getz, in which he said a man is defined by the commitments he makes. He's defined by the commitments he makes. See, Christians don't stand on the Bill of Rights. They stand on the Bill of Personal Responsibilities, on the commitments they make to their family, to, their, to building Jesus' kingdom. And you won't grow to your full potential until you submit to your commitments and the collective wisdom. One another under God. Community is also a place to pray and to worship. It helps us to grow through what we've been doing today, praying and worshiping together. I'm reminded of that in Ephesians 6 18. And pray with the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And the more challenging James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to each other. Well you could say it simply as just tell each other what's really going on. Same thing. Pray for each other so you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's worth doing. So worshipping and praise and prayer for another that's powerful community in action. Community is not Spectator sport. It's a work lab. We need this prayer for one another and we need to pray with one another and we need to experiment in prayer and we need to learn together the life of prayer. And community is also a place to serve. One of the interesting things about serving is that you should be learning to strip away your self interest in order to serve others. And I know in some circles they like to glamorise how good it is to serve the Lord, but at the end of the day it's often hard work. Sometimes there are minimal returns. Sometimes there's criticism. And your self-interest, that gets dragged away, kicking and screaming. But it needs to be dragged away if you're going to learn how to put others' needs above yours what's our example here well let's look at John 13 talking about Jesus when he'd finished washing their feet what washing their feet he put on their clothes he put on his clothes he returned to his place and said do you understand what I've done for you you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that's what I am now that I your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And sometimes we are the washers and sometimes we're the washies, but in many ordinary ways we can learn what submission and service means as we minister to one another in Christian community. It's a very famous book small book called The Practice of the Presence of God, compiled from 16 short letters written by himself and four conversations with a fellow called Brother Lawrence, a lay brother who worked mainly in the kitchen of a Carmelite monastery, later in repairing sandals for something like 40 years of washing dishes. Sound like fun? <laughs> what was attractive about him was his character because he had a reputation for, in this place, having profound peace. And visitors came to seek guidance from him. He served in the most humble of places and showed that inner peace does not depend on your circumstances. People said he just forgot himself, he was willing to lose himself for God, to the point where he no longer thought of his virtue of salvation, and he was always governed by love without self-interest. And so when you do serve people from your heart, it can be a deeply fulfilling expression of a deeply fulfilling relationship with Jesus. Community is also, as we know, a witness to the world. Mature Christian community shows the power, it shows the presence of God, and it can be as distinctive as a light to the world. Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. town built on a hill cannot be hidden. It's as distinctive as a bright star. We see in Philippians 2.15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. It really is impressive, like a star in the sky. Good Christian community. And it also... It reflects the glory of God, the quality of our community. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's something about the glory of God reflected by people who, who love and live the Christian life in community. And so although we're very conscious of our flaws, we're very conscious of our own weaknesses, it's still true that a mature Christian community shows the power and the presence of God to the world. And That's wherever a Christian community has people serving rather than using one another, where it has people of all social status and professions honouring each other and not putting each other down, where it has people speaking truthfully to each other, where it has people not bowing down to the lying spirits of the the times, where it has people loving and accepting one another, where people are extending kindness and compassion to one another. There, when this happens, it shows the power and the presence of God to the world and thus makes us ambassadors of God's love. And for those who see that and they want to know about the love of God which they see in vibrant community, We have a message in 2 corinthians 5 18 all this is from god it's all from god and he reconciled us to himself through christ and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation and we've seen over the centuries the worldwide church of god bringing compassion and healing and power into a broken world in many ways we've got some communities trying to help homeless people we have other parts of the body of Christ rebuilding homes for poor people we have some we have prayer ministries we have healing ministries we have evangelism ministries we have people from the body of Christ feeding the hungry getting justice for the oppressed and supporting persecuted fellow believers all of which means there's a real call to consider community a call to community no one way that looks in practice there's no particular way of doing that of living out community as prescribed in the New Testament and there have been many ways people have done it where they have chosen to follow Jesus as a community what matters is that we don't delude ourselves into thinking that we don't need one another God never intended for us as Christians to go through life alone we simply cannot fully experience the power and the delight of a life with God if we don't have a real life with brothers and sisters in Christ. But you no, know, it's a door with a handle on both sides. It's risky to turn the handle on your side and go into the unknown. It's not up to other people to make us feel welcome. It's up to us to assume that we are welcome because Jesus said we are and to go through and make Others feel welcome. At last week's Senior Minister's Conference, there was a guy, Pastor Daniel from The Rocks, and he told a story about a heavily tattooed ex-biker who became a Christian, and he got the joy of baptising him. him. He came to church because they had a a sign-up, No Perfect People Allowed. I don't know where the world got the idea that Christians think they're perfect from. Because that's fake news. Christians just know that they actually desperately need Jesus in their lives. That life without the abiding presence of God just sucks. Christian community is not to be feared because you think you're not going to measure up as well as some of those good people in there. Those pretty people. There are some risks though. The risks are only to your pride. The risks are only to your isolating independence. There's a fellow called Richard Wormbrand who wrote a book called Tortured for Christ many years ago. Spent fourteen years suffering in a Christian sorry, in a communist prison. No no Christian prisons as far as I know. <laughs> this is a communist prison. And he reminds all believers with less than ideal circumstances that if your heart is cleansed by the love of Jesus Christ and if the heart loves him, you can resist all tortures. Well, for me, I'm hoping that it will always remain hypothetical. <laughs> but he does say, an important line, God will not judge us according to how much we have endured, but how much we could love. God will not judge us according to how much we've endured, but how much we can love. And the, the love of God demonstrated in lives of people is incredibly powerful. He gave a story in this book. He said a Christian was sentenced to death, but before being executed, he was allowed to see his wife. His last words to his wife were, "You must know that I die loving those who kill me. They don't know what they do. And my last request of you is to love them too. Don't have bitterness in your heart because they kill your beloved one. We will meet in heaven. These words impressed the officer of the secret police who attended that discussion between the two of them. And in turn, this officer shared his story with me in prison where he'd been put because he became a Christian on hearing that. It's amazing what a huge difference even the smallest gestures can, made, can make. Just the mention of the love of one's enemies changed the heart of that communist soldier. And that's what happens when there's genuine love seen in, in the world. We can change the world. One loving Act at a time. So let's be that church that welcomes everybody and doesn't make them feel big or small but just makes them feel a part of us. Let's be that church that is a community that shares life together through love for one another and even for those who are not in our community yet. And let's love as Christ has first loved us. To wrap it up, we need our fellow believers for what can be called our continuing conversion, our growth towards maturity, towards the fullness of Christ, and perhaps towards that sort of maturity we just heard in that example from Richard Wormbrandt. But let this be our communal goal in it all, from Ephesians 4, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ because God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life alone. Let's pause in prayer. Father, The people sitting to the left of us and to the right of us and be in front of us and behind us that uh, you have brought here today Be with us for us to learn from and to grow together with, to grow into for fullness of Christ. We need one another for that because we have rough spots and need sanding off. But we also need to cast aside self interest, we need to grow. And so, I pray that you would teach us what we need to do and affirm within us the wonder of genuine christian community that sheds abroad the love of god in such a powerful way and let us extend your kingdom one loving act at a time at, at a time amen